This is the Inherit Dream Podcast Network. Welcome to the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. Visit our website at inherentdream.com. And now, your host, Trevor J. Brown. And we welcome you into another edition of the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. We have a stellar program lined up for you tonight, including Mr. TNT on a free-for-all Friday. Mark Stone is here for the final week in the regular season for the National Football League. We'll get picks done with Stone. Let's win some money with Mark Stone. Boy, the regular season just flew by, but you know what that means? Playoffs are right around the corner. Fox Point Publishing author Paula Basinger Morehart joins us this evening as well, and we have the Moron Spotlight for you. I will also unveil my favorite TV shows of the past year. That is coming up in a matter of moments, but I want to start off tonight with a special last call because when we talk about trailblazers in media, one of the names that has to come to the top of your mind is Barbara Walters. A a broadcast legend who blazed trails for women in journalism. She died at her home in New York City last week. She was 93 years old. Walters had an amazing career, and she transcended this career six decades. From 1951 to 2015, she was the first woman co-host of the program Today, the first female network news co-anchor, the host and producer of countless top-rated specials, the host of 2020, and the creator and co-host of The View. She interviewed every sitting president and first lady from the Nixons to the Obamas and was famous for her sit-down interviews with household names like Mother Teresa and Colin Powell in her annual special, Barbara Walters' 10 most fascinating people, which ran from 1993 to 2015. Just think about the program, The View itself. Now, you either love The View or you hate The View. I sometimes hate watch it. A lot of times I don't like it because they just talk over each other. But think about all the programs that followed in the steps of the view. Now there's like 30 different programs with that type of format, but it wouldn't have happened without without Barbara Walters creating the view. I remember her a lot on 2020 and the great reporting and journalistic pieces that were done there. For whatever reason, and I don't know why, I don't know the answer to this, but network news has always been a very sexist industry. In fact, in all honesty, there's a lot of sexism throughout the world, not just in in, in the news uh, and and journalism category. That that sexism happens everywhere, but it is very rampant 
in media. There's just something about I and I, I don't and I don't know why. There's just something about women sitting at a news desk or being a journalist, being a reporter. I don't know why that is. But think about all the women in news media today. They would not be there without Barbara Walters. Walters' father ran a nightclub which kicked off her lifetime of being surrounded by celebrities. She was born in Boston on September 25, 1929. She also grew up in Miami and New York City, eventually graduating from Sarah Lawrence. When her dad's business faltered, Walters became responsible for providing for her family. She soon kicked off her journalism career in New York, joining the CBS network staff as a producer and as a writer before becoming a writer for NBC's Today in 1961. She eventually became one of the morning show's Today Girls who focused on lighter fare. But Barbara continued to hone her skills outside the studio, writing and reporting until she became a more respected force, a respected force on the show at a time when it was very unusual to see a prominent woman in broadcast journalism. She had to endure unfair treatment from Today host Frank McGee, for example, who refused to do joint interviews with her unless he was given the first three questions. That was actually in his contract. Walters protested and took her complaint to the network higher-ups who ultimately let McGee have his way. When McGee died in 1974, Walters finally became co-host of Today. She won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Talk Show host the following year. In 1976, ABC hired her for its evening news broadcast, making her not only the first woman to co-host a network news show, but the highest paid journalist at the time with a million-dollar salary. Her contract included four interview specials, a one-on-one format that Walters became famous for. Within a few years, she was off the anchor desk and focusing on her interview specials more exclusively. She was also chosen to be the moderator of the final debate between presidential candidates Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter in 1976. In 1979, Walters joined the ABC News magazine 2020. She co-hosted the series with her colleague Hugh Downs until he retired in 1999, then became the show's sole host until 2000. In four, Walters also conducted the first interview on American television with Russian President Vladimir Putin and the first interview with President George W. Bush and his wife Laura after September 11th. Her 1999 interview with Monica Lewinsky was seen by 74 million viewers. Think about that 74 million viewers. That'll never happen ever again. Her candid conversations with famously brittle star Catherine Hepburn were legendary. She was ridiculed for asking Hepburn what kind of tree she would be, later claiming that the question was taken out of context. She also asked the exclusively pants-wearing Hepburn if she owned a skirt. Hepburn replied, I have one. I'll wear it to your funeral. While still at 2020, Walters created and developed The View, an all-women daytime talk show, which she also co-hosted. The show became an immediate success when it debuted in 19. 19- 97. Over more than six decades in television, she earned 12 primetime Emmy nominations for the Barbara Walter special, taking one home in 1983 for Outstanding 
informational series. She also received 33 Daytime Emmy Award nominations and won three times, plus a Lifetime Achievement Award, and was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1989. But uh, she also won a a GLAAD Award in 2008 for her report on uh, transgender children. She said, you can forget all the Emmys. This means more to me. Just an absolute star in uh, in television. Barbara Walters died last week at the age of 93. May she rest in peace. And uh, wow, I mean, you talk about that news desk uh, up in heaven. There's a, there's a lot of people right now uh, that I'm not going to name that I could name. But I just there was a photo on Friday night that I saw of Barbara Walters standing next to Peter Jennings. And Peter Jennings was one of my favorites um, growing up. I mean, we still have Tom Brokaw and, and, and Dan Rather, obviously. They're not on, on the air anymore. But think about it. At one point, we had Peter Jennings, Dan Rather, and Tom Brokaw on the big three networks promote uh, talking about the evening news. We will never see that again. I mean, even if you like the people now, I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. Those guys were so legendary, and so is Barbara Walters, and, and she will be missed Uh, may she rest in peace this is the trevor j brown show Uh, coming up we uh, have mark stone joining us a little bit later for weekly football picks we also have fox point publishing author paula basinger morehart as well but i want to give you we are now into the new year as we transition from 2022 to 2023 and i want to tell you about my favorite tv shows from the past year Throughout January, I'll be letting you know of my favorite TV shows, my favorite films of the past year, my favorite songs, my favorite albums, whatever else. So tonight we're going to start with TV shows and the one, I only do three. Some of these lists, these year-end lists, these these magazines or newspapers or individuals, it's like, here's the top 50 shows of the last year. And it's like, can you decipher it down a little bit? I mean, can can you... Maybe mine could be more than three, but I'm I'm not going to do a top 20 list of TV shows. First off, I don't have the time to watch that many TV shows. I will admit, I haven't seen everything that I want to see from this past year. But the three things that I'm going to tell you about, I highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, Number three on my list, I actually just finished it. I binged watched it in two days. It's a a limited series called The Patient. It's a psychological thriller created and written by Joel Fields and Joe Weisberg, who also serve as showrunners and uh, they are executive producers along with Chris Long and uh, Caroline Moore and one of the show's stars, Steve Carell. It premiered back in August on FX uh, on Hulu and concluded on October 25th of last year. It consists of 10 episodes. It stars Steve Carell. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson, who is the son of Brandon Gleeson. That is his uh, father. And uh, Linda Emmond. So the synopsis of the show, it's, it's quite simple. A therapist, Steve Carell, is held captive by a serial killer played by Gleeson who seeks help to curb his homicidal urges. It is dark. It is cringy at times. 
It is scary at times. It's sad at times. It is damn good. There's a lot going on. And the performance by Gleason is is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Steve Carell. What's amazing to me about Steve Carell is, is sometimes for me, because he's so legendary from The Office, it's tough for me to look at Steve Carell and think, wow, that's not Michael Scott. There's even times when watching The Patient, and, I, and I'm not saying this in disrespect to Steve at all, because I, I think he's a solid actor. But when you... I saw him for so many years being funny in The Office. There's times with him in this show and also David Allen Greer is on this show. And you you think, man, these two funny dudes sitting right next to each other. Man, this this could be funny if it was a comedy, but it's not a comedy. David Allen Greer. Oh, my goodness. He plays Charlie Addison, which is... Uh, uh, Steve Carell, his character named Alan, Alan Strauss. He plays Alan's former therapist. And boy, is David Alan Greer. He doesn't come into like the second half of the series, but boy, is he good. He is just delicious. But so is Steve Carell. So is Gleason. So is Linda Emmond. Emond? Emmond? I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it's a very, very good show. Very good show, and uh, I highly recommend it. It's addicting. I, I usually am not somebody where it's like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch the whole thing. I watched all 10 episodes in two days. I just drove right through it. Again, it's called The Patient. It's a, a psychological thriller limited series, and it is out now. You can stream it FX on Hulu. That is my number three program of the year. My number two show of the year. I, I'm, I've always been a fan of this guy. And this, musically, I'm always somebody that, I always say this. Give me like your best 8, 9, 10, 11 songs. Give me 30 to 40 minutes of music. Make that an album. Don't uh, drag it on. Give me your best and call it a day. Now that doesn't mean I don't like some longer albums. There are some albums that are 50, 60, 70 minutes long, and you're like, wow, this is legendary. Like, think of Out, uh, Outcast, Speaker Box, The Love Below. That album is great. It's two albums. Both are, are fairly long. I think The Love Below is well over 70 minutes long, definitely over an hour, but it's great. And But a lot of albums, not saying that one, but a lot of albums is like drag on, there's too much filler, all this crap. And sometimes I feel that with TV shows too. So when Aziz, Aziz Ansari, his his special from last year called Nightclub Comedian, it's his fourth comedy special. It's on Netflix. It's 30 minutes. You sit down, you get into it. It's 30 minutes. You laugh a little bit. I've been a fan of Aziz Ansari. I came a little bit late with Aziz because... Uh, I, I know he was a comedian. I know he was on Parks and Rec. I didn't get into Parks and Rec as much. Not that I don't like the show. I just honestly have never really watched it from start to finish. I've, I've seen some bits and pieces. But the show that you gotta watch is Master of None. The first two seasons of Master of None, which Aziz created, it's some of the best television that I've ever watched. It's some of my favorites. Season three is a clunker. Not as good as season one and two. But seasons one... And season two 
of Master of None by Aziz Ansari is some of the best television in my lifetime. So I, I, I'm a huge fan from that. But the, the special nightclub comedian, it's topical, it's funny, it's edgy. It's him in a nightclub doing 30 minutes of stand-up. It's not, it, there's no tricks. There's, it's him telling jokes. It's kind of a, a bread and butter, back to basics approach, which I think really works because he also has specials where he's playing arenas and the place is sold out. So this is a very intimate look at comedy and it works. It's called Nightclub Comedian. It's from Aziz Ansari. That's number two on my list. And number one on my list is season number three of Barry. It's a dark comedy crime drama TV series. That's on HBO, created by Alec Berg and Bill Hader. I'll tell you what, when this show first came out, I was a little like, uh, I don't know about this because, you know, it's it's Bill Hader, he's funny, but is this going to be like, I don't know, is this going to be just kind of stupid funny or is it going to be drama or, or you know, what what's it going to be? Well, not only is it hilarious, but it's super dark. Was a huge fan of season number one. Um, and to give you an idea of everything, Barry season one back in 2018 was my favorite show of the year. And then season two was number two on my list for 2019. The only thing to beat it out was season three, a true detective. So Barry's back on top. In 2022, season three came out. It premiered back in April. The series has received critical acclaim with most praise going to its directing, writing, humor, originality, the characters and performances. Uh, It's received various accolades, including 44 primetime Emmy nominations. Hater won Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series twice, while Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler, by the way, one outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series for his performance in the first season. Um, season three does stuff that I, I just encourage you to watch it. I mean, if you haven't started, you got to go, you got to go watch season one, then watch season two, then, then come into three season three does things that I have never seen done in a movie or on TV before. There is, I don't know if, if he was inspired by this or not Bill Hader, but there is like a 10 minute scene of him riding a motorcycle and it's sort of like an ode to grand theft auto. That's the vibe that I get from it. And just the way that they film this scene of him riding this motorcycle, driving around Los Angeles and just everything that's going on and the traffic, the cinematography, the editing, it is stellar. And that's why it makes my list is because it, it does things on this show that I frankly just, it's amazing to me. It's, I don't know how they do it. And out of all the seasons, I mean, season three is still funny, but the, the drama, the drama definitely comes into, to focus a little bit more. Bill Hader is, is fantastic. Henry Winkler they just I love Henry Winkler because it just shows you that he's done a lot in his career. He's not a young guy. But for Henry Winkler to get an Emmy 
on season one of Barry, it just shows you that you don't know in your career when you may break through and win some huge award. You don't know when you might win an, you know, an Emmy or a Golden Globe or an Oscar. Not that it's about the awards. I get that. But, you know, you never know when you might have a, a, a role presented to you that could be like one of the best of a lifetime. And this is one of those for for uh, for Henry Winkler. So check it out. If you haven't started Barry, start at season one, go to two, go to three. But season three is my favorite TV show of the past year. Barry is available for streaming now on HBO. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Looking to buy or sell online but don't know where to start? Look no further than Jensen Sales Plus. JSP makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they can help you with it all. Check out their website for more information, JensenSalesPlus.com. That's JensenSalesPlus.com. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Come along with the Inherent Dream Podcast Network and promote your business, and let's make the next year a record year. The Inherent Dream Podcast Network is home to The Trevor J. Brown Show and 763 The Local with more shows debuting soon. Our advertising packages are super affordable and will get your message in front of thousands. Unique and entertaining podcasts and content being produced right here in central Minnesota. Support local. Interested in learning more? Connect with us at InherentDream at Yahoo.com. The Inherent Dream Podcast Network. This isn't business as usual. Plenty more to come this evening. Author Paula Basinger Morehart will be joining us in a little bit. She is an author with Fox Point Publishing. We will also be joined by Mark Stone for weekly football picks. But first, we got to get to the Moron Spotlight. A Virginia man was sentenced to five months in prison last week after pleading guilty to four misdemeanor counts. Last year, in connection to the January 6th Capitol riot, According to WUSA, Antoine Brodna, who goes by the rap name Bugsy the Don, took a photo of himself smoking a blunt while sitting atop an SUV. Seemingly during the Capitol riot, the image was later used as the album cover for his 2021 album, The Capitol. Do you remember that one? Prosecutors requested a prison sentence of 21 months, citing previous convictions for manufacturing a controlled substance and being a felon in possession of a firearm. The Justice Department argued for a lengthy punishment after he allegedly promised to hand over photos and videos on his phone from January 6th to the FBI, only to delete them. Prior to pleading guilty, he rejected a plea deal on a single count. His attorney, Mary McGuire, sought uh, a a probationary sentence with time spent on home detention, claiming he was a great community asset who managed a clothing line and a music label. Yeah, we all do that, right? (laughs) Again, uh, what's he doing on the the, uh, front of his uh, album cover? Smoking a blunt? A great community asset. Look, I don't care if you smoke or, or do whatever, but I don't. I don't know if I would go that far uh, to to call him a uh, an asset to the community. I don't know. I, I don't have much much about this, but a, a day leading up to Christmas, 
I had to, I have to include this in the moron spotlight. A day leading up to Christmas, I was watching Dr. Phil. I sometimes turn that on for entertainment. And Dr. Phil had Catherine McPhee and her husband, David Foster. If you don't know who Catherine McPhee is, she was on American Isle. She didn't win, uh, but she was on one of the early seasons. And uh, her husband, David Foster, is a musician who, who plays piano. Um, so they released a, a holiday album. They met on the set of American Idol in 2006. They have a, a new seven-song EP out called Christmas Songs, featuring holiday classics like Jingle Bell Rock and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Anyway, McPhee and Foster were were on Dr. Phil, and they played a song. And I believe that Catherine McPhee was singing, and they want you to believe that David Foster was playing piano, but I don't think he was. And it was filmed in a way that seemed rather obvious to me that he wasn't playing piano just the way he was moving his hands it was really really poorly done tv it uh i don't know it's just kind of embarrassing i get that some people go on shows and they lip sync or they don't play their actual instruments or what have you but I don't know. That's aren't we at a point now where we have technology in a way where you could play live or you could sing live? Like I for me, like I don't play live music often, but the reason why I partially play with a backing track is because I'm just one person. But I still play an instrument with the track and I sing. So yeah, I'm selling out to a point, but not all the way. And these people are way more talented musically than I am, right? I mean, yeah, they are. David Foster could easily play the piano. So for him not to be playing the piano on Dr. Phil, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe he was playing the piano. But the way that the shots were showing it on, on Dr. Phil and the way that his hands were moving, it sure, uh, sure doesn't uh, seem like it at all. Um. Another uh, another one here for the Moron Spotlight. A Texas police officer who in 2016 was fired for, from his job for giving a homeless man a feces sandwich. Boy, is that hilarious. Well, he's been fired again from a different police department. See, this is a prime good example. We support on this program, we support military, we support police, we support firefighters, first responders, all that good stuff. But we don't give blanket support to people in the military who do terrible things or terrible cops or terrible firefighters or terrible first responders or people like this. You don't have to give blanket approval to people. Matthew Luckhurst was terminated from the San Antonio Police Department in 2016 after placing feces between two slices of bread and giving it to a homeless man. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus said at the time it's a disgrace to the department, it's a disgrace to the badge, and it's embarrassing that someone would do something like that ever, do something like that. Luckhurst later stated, started working at another police department in Floresville, Texas. But on Tuesday, Floresville Mayor Sissy gonzalez Depel said he had been fired, citing reports detailing the 2016 incident 
that had been brought to her attention, KSAT reported. Andy Jocelyn is implementing stricter hiring policies for all City of Floresville employees, the mayor said. He is also working with Chief Herrera on the reserve program. After Luckhurst was fired in 2016 following the feces sandwich incident, he won an appeal because of a local government code preventing officers from being disciplined for conduct that occurred more than 180 days ago. The officer was later given a second indefinite suspension after an investigation into a separate incident in which he allegedly failed to flush feces down a toilet in the women's restroom at the downtown bike patrol office and spread a brown tapioca-like substance on the toilet seat. Boy, this guy is a comedic genius, isn't he? Luckhurst accepted responsibility for the toilet incident but claimed it was a prank and apologized. See, and what these people don't understand, I don't I don't know if, if this is the case or not. If you're in uniform and you do that, it's does every does everyone always forget? Remember back in the day when you'd go on a field trip in like fifth or sixth grade and the teacher would come on the bus and they'd say, look, we're going to go have fun today at the amusement park. But you got to remember that you're representing the school today. So you can't be an idiot. So senior year, when we went to uh, a certain amusement park down in Shakopee and a bunch of kids got busted for smoking pot in the bathroom, they got in trouble for it. So how stupid do you have to be if you're doing this stuff and you're you're wearing the uniform of the city that you work for? Gets a little more gray, I think, if uh, you do this stuff when you're off duty and you're not in uniform and you're not on camera doing stuff like this. But I, I don't know. Do you do you really want to push that line? And this guy, what's the deal with with him and poop? I mean, he constantly, he constantly, uh, I don't know. Both of the things he was fired for involve feces. I think you like feces a little too much. That's just disgusting. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Time to relax. Time to treat yourself. Time for a massage. Time to head to In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands Massage specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. They also offer salt lamps, essential oils, and much more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. In Good Hands Massage in Malacca the official relaxation spot of the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Kind enough now to be joined by author Paula Basinger-Moorhart. You can find out more information about Paula on the Fox Point Publishing website. That's foxpointpublishing.com backslash author dash Paula dash Moorhart. Paula, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I am fine, and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's talk about your book, This is the Bear. First off, I love the illustrations in the book. (laughs) The bear goes on a quest to do something nice for a friend. So what was the inspiration behind this story? Uh, It started out as a poem. My children used to love the books where 
you had the first line and then you added a second line and then you did the first two lines and added a third line and on and on and on. And I, I, for some reason, this is the bear with all the hair stuck in my head. And writers' minds, our minds are different. They, they, they piece things together that no one else would ever piece together. And that's how it happened. It just, I just started finding rhyming words and the story just came into being. Do you have like an ongoing notebook, your writing process? When you think of an idea, do you just sort of jot it down and eventually come back to it? Oh, yeah, I definitely have a notebook. I also have a little personal recorder that I can flip on and off with a button that I keep in my van because I have had ideas come to me while I'm driving somewhere and I'm like, oh, I'll remember that. And then I get to wherever I'm going and it's gone. Forget it. But yeah. a little recorder, I can just flip it on, make a few notes quick, flip it off, boom, we're done. And I can take it home and do whatever with it. I love too that it talks about doing something nice for a friend. And I feel like yeah. in this day and age, regardless of, and I know it's more of a children's book, but I feel like a lot of adults maybe should read this book as well, because we, we sometimes tend to forget that, you know, just, just be nice to others. That's what we all want in return. So why not give that to others? Exactly. I, I am a very big believer in making little ripples because those little ripples will go out. And if you can make a difference in one person's life, those ripples will carry and they will make a difference in, in someone's life. And now you've helped two people without even realizing it. I just did a um, giveaway here at home. I'm getting ready to move in the spring and I have a lot of stuff I need to get rid of. And so I've advertised and I've been giving away, I had 27 containers. <laughs> no one needs this much fabric. Um, a fabric that I gave away, I've given away flower pots and uh, just a ton of stuff. And people are so grateful because, like with the fabric, this was a woman that took most of it who has handicapped children. Mm -hmm. She makes their own clothing and quilts for them. And so she was just overjoyed to be able to get all this fabric for free. And that I love that. I love the idea that something that, that's just been taking up space in my house is now taking up space in someone else's house and it's useful. Absolutely. That, that to me, that those ripples going out. Well, that's a great cause. It's probably a good thing my wife didn't hear that because every time she hears <laughs> fabric, and she's a quilter too, she does she does great work. But we we have enough fabric here at at home. So Paula Basinger Morehart is our guest. Her Fox Point Publishing page is foxpointpublishing dot com backslash author dash Paula dash more heart and that's m-o-r-h-a-r-d-t so paula you have a, a wide range of books available on the fox point site in addition to children's books you have books with poetry a new cookbook series with, with so many lanes does that keep writing up fresh and fun for you oh most definitely and i've got plenty of stories up um up in my office that I'm still working on those. Sure. But yeah, being able to write, and, and the poetry especially, that's, that's my forte. I love writing poetry, and writing poetry about lots of different things. That's uh, the two poetry books, Days of Days and Night Maze, is actually two of the first, uh, uh, there's going to be a set of three. And so it's going to be Days of Days, Night Maze, and Clear Haze. And each book has has different topics, but they all still go together. So, 
the, you have it. The uh, the covers on those books, they're absolutely phenomenal on, on both of them. I'm not sure who illustrated them for you, but I'm a big fan of both. Yeah, the same illustrator that did this is there, actually. She's okay. a friend of mine that does illustrations, um, Peggy, Peggy McDowell, and I just absolutely love her work. She has to read my mind, and she does it very well. <laughs> it, it's good to have somebody like that where you're on, on the yeah. same page. So you mentioned poetry. Who are some of your favorite poets? Oh, I was thinking about this. You know, Shel Silverstein, of course, and Walt Whitman, and then, believe it or not, Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, Absolutely. When I was in, yeah, when I was in seventh grade, I memorized all of the Raven for a class project. I could not tell you what it is anymore, <laughs> but I got through and I got an A on it. So there is that. On on the Fox Point site in your bio, it mentions you were never brave enough to submit a book for publication until the unexpected passing of your husband in 2017, and then the next day, you lost your mother. How did yeah. you handle all of that at once? Did faith help you? <laughs> did did something else help you? I mean, it just that that is just awful. I um my my faith helped me. I um it well, I was numb for quite a while because there was nothing wrong with my husband. He died of nothing. They found nothing in the autopsy. There was nothing wrong with him. He just simply. And in my belief system, we believe that when you have done all you are to do, learned all you are to learn, and and taught all you are to teach, then you get to go home. Mm-hmm. And to my way of thinking, he had done, learned, and taught all he needed to do in his lifetime, and he got to go home. Um, I, I, yeah, the next day when my brother called to tell me that my mom had died, I lost it for a while. Mm-hmm. I did start a... Uh, uh, a blog online about it's called widow's walk about uh, losing my husband and everybody liked it so well and i had these poetry books and i knew kirsten was starting a publishing company and so i went to her and i said do you think these are any good and um her daughter chelsea who's, who's the co-owner said yes <laughs> so i'm like okay can we get them published and and, um, yeah, when I was younger, I used to think that when you published a book, you got rich. I've quickly been disused <laughs> of that idea. That does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I get to write. I get to write, which is, is something I have done since I was nine years old. So. Yeah. That's, yeah, well, it, if, if you love doing it, that's, that's for the love of it. And it, it's the same people. <laughs> We do music here, and it's, you know, people think if you release an album, like, oh, my goodness, you must be rich. And it's like, no. But but what no. I tell what I tell people is if if you can affect the life of, of one person or have one person come to you and say, you know what, I read this, and it's so great. Exactly. Or I listened to this song, yeah. and it was amazing. And I'm sure yeah. you've had people come to you and, and, you know, in the book world, and I've had people come to me with this podcast or with music and say, you know what, I heard this song you did and it was really good. So thanks yeah. for doing that. And that just, that yeah. just totally changes your day. I have had the four cookbook memoirs that I have out are, there's 12 essays in each one about things that happen between the garden and the kitchen. And then I, they're basically memories of my growing up, Farm families have a lot of memories, and I, it is very interesting to me when I go to expos and things, the people that buy those books are usually older women, 
um, and a couple of older men because they like to read the essays. They, they like the recipes in the back because those are from my grandmother's great-grandmother and great-great-grandmother's, but they like the stories because I talk about, I remember getting hay up into the barn with the horses. They didn't have a conveyor at the time. Mm-hmm. They used the horses. And I remember that. And so I, I talk about those memories and going fishing with grandparents and things like that. In your cookbooks, do you have like a favorite dish that you like to prepare? Yeah, you know, when I was going through all the recipe boxes in my um, my Grandma Arlene's recipe box, there was one called Ma's Cheap Hotel Cake. <laughs> and I knew that her mother had um, was a chef, was a cook at a local hotel. And I thought, well, I'm not going to expect, I had to try all the recipes, obviously. So I thought, well, I'm not going to expect too much from this one. It was the best and easiest cake I have ever made in my life. And it was, but it was heavier. It was more like a pound cake. Yeah. And, and then, see, and then I like to do the history. And the reason it's a heavier cake was because they didn't have sugar to make icing back then. Mm-hmm. You didn't, sugar wasn't something that, that you normally had. But you, if you had a heavier cake, you could put fruit on it. Whatever fruit was in season would cover this cake. And that's why they, the, the, the older recipes are for more of like a pound cake, a heavier cake. I like the name of it. Cheap Motel Cake, you said? Yeah, Ma's Cheap Hotel Cake. <laughs> so so it's it's a little bit heavier of a cake, but what what makes it so good? Is is there fruit in it or on it? Or what, what is it no, there's comprising? No, there's not fruit in it. I, I have no idea why what difference it makes but it is like i said it's the easiest cake i've ever had to make and it was just really really good and then you put fruit on it it's just it's perfection <laughs> uh, with, a, with a little bit of whipped cream oh sure <laughs> well you had me at cake so i'm i'm good yeah. to go on that <laughs> um if somebody wanted to write a book and then publish a book what, what advice would you say you would give to somebody? Write. You need, you need to write every single day. I have a jar upstairs next to my computer with, with slips of paper in it, and they all have a single one or two words on them. And what I do is when I can't write, when I can't think of something to write, I reach in there, grab a slip of paper, and I make myself write two paragraphs of whatever that is. And that is the type of determination that you need in order to write a book you need to be able to write every single day on on everything and then you write your book and then you and kirsten taught me this you read it to yourself out loud by doing it out loud you hear the things that need to be changed Mm -hmm. you hear the way the words don't quite sound right when you i need a you know i need a comma here or i need to take a comma out I need to take away, I'm, I'm horrible with exclamation points. <laughs> the editor and I have this conversation every book I do. <laughs> take, out the com- take out the exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. But read it to yourself and then edit it, do the changes, and then read it to yourself again and again and again until you, you know, they are our children. They really are. And it hurts the first few times that you turn them over and the editor comes at you. And I love Raven. Uh, Raven Ekman is the editor uh, that I use mostly at Fox Point, and I absolutely adore her. But we have had words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> yeah, she wants to change my children, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> 
but every change that she has suggested has made the books better. Um, we've had a few that I've said, nope, because, and I always have a reason mm-hmm. for the way I want it done. And, and she's usually pretty amendable. If I give the reason why I want it the way I want it, then, and Olvi may just come to a different conclusion than what she had and I had. Uh, it, it's, it's a back and forth. You are not going to just write a book, hand it in, and get it published. Mm-hmm. It takes a good year to year and a half especially for children's books it's even longer because of the the illustrations you have to wait for so it's not a fast process and you're not going to get rich there's it's just not going to happen you get to write Mm -hmm. and if you're anything like me i have got two books in the gray valley series right now best magic of all and rose gets her name and the third one is with the illustrator right now and that's global and that was another that was an instance of um artistic license perhaps because uh best magic of all is about trolls and rose gets your name is about fairies that live in gray valley well this next one that's going to come out is about frogs that live in the valley and the things that they're going through and uh chelsea actually got hold of me and she said shouldn't we maybe make them water sprites or something you've got to i said no because my idea for the whole series is I want children to want to come to Gray Valley. I want them to want to visit Gray Valley. And trolls are kind of scary, and fairies are definitely something we like, but we're not too sure of. Frogs, <laughs> everybody knows frogs. Sure. Frogs are something you can be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so it won't scare the children away from Gray Valley. They're like, yeah, there's some scary things, <clears throat> but here's something that we know, so that that's a good thing. We can come back to Gray Valley and visit. And that's the whole idea. Well, you mentioned Raven Ekman. Uh, we're going to have her on in the spring, so that will be exciting to talk to her kind of about the the editing process that uh, that yeah. they go through at Fox Point as well. Uh, before I let you go, I have one sort of, well, fun softball question for you to end with because Uh-oh. my my producers, I have uh, two cats here in the studio, Macy ah. and, and Shoshana. And they are always mm. curious about uh, if you have any pets, and if so, what are their names? I have do, have done in the past rescue cats. At one point, I had forty two out there. Wow. Um, I am yeah. I had two in the house. I had to put um, my favorite baby Callie. I had to um, send her to rest a few months ago. Mm. So the only one I have in the house right now is Mania, who is my husband's cat. Um, her and I have a love hate relationship. <laughs> And then outside, I have Jasmine, who is a brown uh, tortie, and I have Luffy, who is a long-haired patty. And recently, I acquired Oliver, or Ollie, who is a tiger and white, who all summer long, I've just barely seen his tail, but slowly, 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 I've chained him down to the point where I can now touch him while he's eating. I haven't got him to the vet yet, but... Once I get him to the vet, he'll be neutered and he'll get his shots and things. And um, three is enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. We, uh, you know, they two is two is enough for me. You know, especially when it comes to treat time. So, um, hey, Paula, you were a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was very enjoyable. Paula Basinger, Moreheart author with Fox Point Publishing. You can find out more about Paula and her books by visiting the website foxpointpublishing.com backslash author dash Paula dash Moreheart. And that is M-O-R-H-A-R-D-T. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show.
The Trevor J. Brown Show. Food and Song Volume 4 is out now. A collection of 12 diverse tracks from a variety of amazing musicians, all with Minnesota ties. From rock, alternative, reggae, gospel, experimental, to acoustic, Volume 4 has something for everyone. The premise of Food and Song is simple. You buy the digital album, you enjoy some amazing music, and you help local food shelves. Every penny we make from these compilations, after taxes and transaction fees, gets donated to local food shelves in Minnesota. Get your copy of Food and Song, Volume 4, or any of the older compilations at InherentDream.Bandcamp.com. Mr. TNT is here. His name is Mark Stone. Mark, how are you this week? I'm doing pretty good, Trevor. You know, we're getting to the final week of the NFL. Yeah, we'll get to week 18. We have a full slate of games to pick in just a moment. I want to get your thoughts, though, on DeMar Hamlin. You know, watching this game before this happened, leading up to the game, all weekend long, we talked about it last week. It's one of the biggest games of the weekend. We sort of had it circled. Bengals, Bills, this is going to be a lot of fun. The game starts off, and there's fireworks right away. Bengals lead 7-3. to three. The way the game was going, Stone, I'm like, okay, we're going to have like a 40-35 to 35 type game. It's going to be who has the ball at the end. And you know, we've seen this a lot before. Guys have a big hit. They go down on the field. And then the medical staff comes out, and we've gotten so used to guys, big hit. They're down on the field. Medical team comes out. Minutes go by. They come back from the commercial break. Guys on the stretcher gives the thumbs up. They go off the field. But after they showed Hamlin going down Stone, it was – I'd never seen anything like that. It was like watching something you weren't supposed to see because when he makes the tackle, first off, I didn't think the tackle – it didn't look like vicious or anything like that. So I, I was like, wow, I don't know what happened. But then he gets up and he takes the two steps, and then it's like all the life just went out of his body. And like I said, my first reaction was like, whoa, like – it was like seeing something you weren't supposed to see. Like, how did you react when, when you we saw the play and, and everything after that? Well, when I first saw the play, um, and I saw it live in action, I was like, not a big hit, not a big deal. And I saw him get up, so I wasn't even thinking. And then I saw him collapse. No, I didn't see the kind of way he collapsed until they showed the replay mm-hmm. right after that. And then I'm like, when I saw him collapse, I'm like, oh, that's not good. And, of course, you see everybody rush out there, and you see everybody crowd around to kind of shield, and you kind of hear CPR is being performed on him, which, again, everything adds up. Usually when somebody, like you said, the life totally went out on him. When you see somebody collapse like that, it's usually like a heart attack yeah. or a stroke or something of that nature. So you figured something like that happened, and – I said, you know, I was saying, well, everything was going on. I said, the Shield's worst nightmare is happening right before our eyes. We've talked about the fact that the one thing they don't want with all the safety measures they've put in is somebody dying on that field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I figured if that was going to happen, it was going to be something like a broken neck or a decapitation, yeah. something of that nature. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be this where you had a, 
a perfect hit in a perfect spot in the perfect millisecond to force your heart to stop, which pretty much is what happened with T. Higgins' elbow into his chest. He hit it in exactly the right spot and at the exact right time with the exact amount of force needed to put your heart into cardiac arrest. Things are obviously changing in this situation by the hour, by the minute with with DeMar, and we want to send our well wishes to him. Um, obviously, with where we're recording this right now, things can change from, from, again, one minute to the next. But from what we heard today with, with, uh, with DeMar was that when he woke up, you know, he, he asked the doctors who won the game. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's an encouraging sign. He couldn't speak, but he wrote it down. He had a breathing tube in, but he wrote that down. And I'm like, is there any more like Hollywood movie script response than what he said? I mean, to that, I mean, my goodness. So I, 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 that's just proof right there that all these prayers are working for DeMar and and we wish him a, a speedy recovery. The one thing stone that I got to say with, with everything is these leagues, the NFL, but also like the NBA can take note, the NHL, major league baseball. We, when this was happening, we have no idea what's going on, right? They need to have some policy in place where it's like, okay, if there's a guy that's on the field that had a heart attack or some massive injury that we're not supposed to see, we're not supposed to be watching this. I don't need to hear Booger McFarland's take on what's going on. You cut to NFL films or something, or show me some documentary or something. These guys, I feel bad for them. Like they're sitting in the studio and they're trying to fill time and comment on what's going on, but they don't have any information. They don't know anything more than we do, but the leagues need to be better prepared in situations like that. Well, I think again, we're talking that this was an unprecedented thing that happened mm-hmm. um again it's something we've precluded to that it's the shield's worst nightmare and that there was a possibility it could happen one day but i think again everybody production you know the networks or whatever are like we aren't anticipating that's going to happen on our watch mm-hmm. we don't want it to happen on our watch and even even so i mean you're talking about everybody dissecting now what happened afterwards why didn't the nfl make a call what's with that five minute warm-up all i can say to all those people is go f yourself and here's why Again, I just mentioned this is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. The way here Zach Taylor and Coach Sean McDermott handled the situation themselves showed true leadership mm-hmm. and showed why they are leaders of men and why they're coaches. They made the decision. McDermott said he had to be at the hospital with Hamlin. He could not coach this game. And Taylor totally backed him. Before the league could make a decision and say, you guys got to go out there and play that game. Those guys made the decision, this game isn't going to be played. And that's called bottom-up management, and that's the way it should be. The league is in New York. The league is not on the field, and I don't care if you're getting a call from Fox, you're getting a call from CBS, NBC, and in this case, ESPN. And if they're trying to demand, the game's got to go on. we got sponsors to play. 
screw you. Mm-hmm. This is humanity, and I thought the NFL handled it very well. I thought ESPN did the best job they could. I agree with you. I know those guys shouldn't be on. Those guys didn't know what to say, what to do. Schefter looked like a fish out of water. Susie Colbert looked lost yeah. out there the whole time. I, but I give, them, I give them credit. They handled it the best way they could because – there was no filler. There was nothing to talk about except for this event. And let's face it, none of them are medical experts either. I think that's where ESPN kind of failed on 100%. this. 100%. Get, get, you guys got medical experts. Fania Bell is a good, good person that I can think of. Get them on the phone. Get a headset on them and have them kind of go through what possibly could happen right here. Because where I got my information from – was a guy who had his PhD in medical science and, and physical training. And they said, they've gone over this. This is a textbook, but it's a one in a million shot. But mm-hmm. they knew exactly what happened when it happened. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I feel like those guys were put in a tough situation. It's never happened before. But, like, it's a tough situation. But, like, I, as, as a viewer, like, you're not saying anything. You're not adding anything. I don't need right. to hear more and more. And I, I totally get it. Like, I, I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I get that. But, you know, it's an unprecedented situation. So then in the future, hopefully we don't have to go through anything like this in the future. But odds are we will. I mean, things like this will happen. It's, in a way, kind of shocking that nothing like this has ever happened in the history of the league. But just to be more prepared for it because – yeah, I do feel bad for some of these guys. They they look like, like you said, Schefter looked like a, a fish out of water. What are you supposed to say in that situation besides just filling time? We have no additional information. It was so eerie to me, Stone, because, like, we've seen games before where, like, all right, you're watching something on uh, Sunday ticket, and, oh, there's lightning in Tampa Bay or Jacksonville, and the game's suspended. Yeah, we'll be back in 15 minutes, and you see that on the crawl or whatever, but when it said like the game suspended and it's Monday night football and it's not because of weather or something at the stadium, like it, it's, it's actually like player on the field. And then when it went to the game has been you know, postponed, like, I don't know, that just, it's a small thing, but that really hit me. And it was like, yeah, this is, this is a life thing. And, and I give a lot of credit. You mentioned the coaches, those are leaders of men. And I think this also shows what power the players have and the coaches have and the NFLPA has because there's two sides to this. It's not, yeah, the NFL, that is the league. But at the end of the day, the players and the coaches said, we, we can't go back out there. We're not going back out there. That We're not doing that. This is, this is, it puts everything so much more into perspective. How they handled themselves, I thought was uh, uh, very well. Yeah, and also, hat tip to the fans in Cincinnati with the way they handled that. They stayed there. They supported the players that were coming off the field. There were cheers for them, things like that. It wasn't booze that they were leaving, Mm -hmm. which we know we could have gotten in some other places. Uh, The internet was full of trolls saying that this game should have went on and all that good stuff. So I just wanted to give a hat tip off to Cincinnati. I want to give a hat tip off to, of course, the first responders, the medical personnel, not only employed by the NFL, but those in Cincinnati and at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. They are doing a bang-up job here. Again, it looks like 
there's a good possibility here that tragedy was avoided. And that's what you hope for in these situations. And that's what you hope for, too, if you play the game, is injuries. It's not if you're going to get injured, it's when. It's 100%. This is an injury business if you play football at any level. And what you're hoping for is that if the injury does happen, you have the correct treatment in place, possibly on the field, if at all possible, especially at the higher levels, and that you can get back to healthy as soon as possible. And it looks right now we are heading in that direction, so that's a fantastic outcome. All right, let's let's uh, let's make the transition, and uh, we'll get to picks here week 18 with Mark Stone. We got a full slate, so we'll breeze through some of these. We have a couple games on Saturday. Chiefs and the Raiders, that's the first game. I like Kansas City on the road here. Yeah, Kansas City's going to lock up the number one seed here with the win. I think the Raiders, they're going to roll Jared Stidham out here. They caught the Niners off guard. Kansas City will not be caught off guard coming into Vegas. They know they can wrap everything up with a win on Saturday, get an extra day possibly off or a full week's worth of rest. I think they get it done. It's a done deal. Give me Casey. Titans and Jags. I'm taking Jacksonville. I don't think this game's that hard stone. I mean, the, the Titans at this point, they have been one of the worst teams in football the last month. Josh Dobbs starting for Tennessee. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Jacksonville's at home. They should win this game. I do have this as one of my three bets because the six and a half is a little too big. We're yes. talking a divisional game here. Tennessee likes to run the football. They're going to play it tough. They know the playoffs are on the line. Um, so I think it's going to be closer than six and a half. But I do think, again, Trevor Lawrence, um, Doug Peterson and company are going to pull it out and get Jacksonville back in the playoffs with the division title. So I am going with Jacksonville as well. If you had a vote, Stone, for Coach of the Year, Doug Peterson? No. My vote right now is going to be Kyle Shanahan. That's tough to argue that. <laughs> but I, I Extreme quarterback, you yeah. keep winning games. Yeah, you, you, you just can't. You, you can't go against that, in my opinion. I'll tell you what, Stone. Or, I, or if you're not going to go with Kyle Shanahan, you got to go with Dayball, Brian <laughs> Dayball. Browns and Steelers. I already know what's going to happen in the AFC. I'm I'm taking Pittsburgh to get that last spot. So I, I don't want to uh, ruin our pick segment here, but that's a little foreshadowing of, of where I'm going to some of these other games. I'm telling you, man, Tomlin's a guy that I would love to play for. I mean, that game on Sunday night, Kenny Pickett or Kyle Pickett or Wilson Pickett, whatever we calling them these days. I, I'm not saying that the guy's going to be Tom Brady or Joe Burrow, but his confidence going down the field for that last drive with Pittsburgh, I love the way this team's playing right now. Give me the Steelers. Yeah, you know, you, you had to like what happened last week. And, you know, I think we both picked the Steelers to pull that out to keep their playoff hopes alive. But here's the real problem. You got the carved in stone bet of the week right here. The Cleveland Browns, baby. Lay it down on them, the plus two and a half. Pittsburgh pulls us out. It's going to be closer than that, and I don't think they do. I think they lay an egg here. They're a young team. They put a lot of energy to pull that out last week on that drive and, and to seal it with the interception at the end. Um, I think Cleveland comes in here and beats them, to be honest with you. Um, they're finding a way to win. Deshaun Watson is just 
coast. And when you've got a team that's playing for nothing and a team that's playing for everything, and this is all the way back to the year 2000, the team playing for nothing covers at 62%. Ooh, good stat. So think about that. Think about this game. And yes, Tomlin, Tomlin does a fantastic job, but this is not a rah-rah Tomlin spot. They are favored. And I think it's just setting it up for disaster for them. And who better to deliver it than one of our big dumpster fires of a <laughs> franchise, the Cleveland Browns. Ravens and Bengals, you know my thoughts on the Ravens. Uh, they've been... Yeah, they're they're ten and six on the year, but I, you know, it's funny, Stone. This Ravens team—they're gonna end up going to the Super Bowl. Watch, I've been dogging them all year, and this is a team that'll end up doing big things in the playoffs. But I think they lose this game. I like Cincinnati at home. Yeah, Cincinnati's gonna be well rested after only playing three quarters of a quarter this past week. Um, they're at home. They've got—I mean—they've got options to possibly play for to get up to the number two seed uh vikings and bears on sunday no justin fields i don't care if he did play i the vikings uh they're gonna come to play on sunday they typically play like horse crap at soldier field but i think they'll play well enough to uh to win somehow nathan peterman is still employed in this (laughs) i don't know how he's going to get a start against the minnesota vikings what a gift yeah a gift for the vikings here after being total trashed last weekend they're getting a gift here nathan peterman returning to starting lineup for chicago yes the vikings win this game even with their horrible defense putting pressure on both minnesota on both san francisco dallas and Philly with the win. You can tell me whatever you want to convince me otherwise. You know I want the Patriots to win, but I don't feel that there's a chance in hell that the Patriots win this game on Sunday. The Bills are going to be so fired up. Orchard Park's going to be fired up. They're going to play for DeMar. You know they are, and they should. I like the Bills in this game. Yeah, I'm in agreement. You hit everything on the head there in regards to I think the line's a little bit big at the negative seven. To Absolutely. be honest, Absolutely. I think that's big, but it isn't one of my bets. We did miss one of my bets. I am betting Tennessee on Saturday at six and a half. I didn't think that was that was too big, but that was way too big for that divisional one. And of course, we got the carved in stone bet for Cleveland. I'll tell you my third bet coming up here, but yeah, I I, I think it's going to be a closer game. But you're right. Under no circumstances, Buffalo at home is losing this game. Jets and Dolphins. The Dolphins, we talked about the Titans earlier. The Dolphins have been one of the worst teams in football for the last month. I think it's their first winless December. Uh, They had a winless December. It's their first winless December in like 20 years or something. It's been a while. You know what? I'm going to take the Jets on the road here. I think the Jets come and play for Salah. And uh, I think they have uh, big things in store for, for next football season. I think they come and play for him. Jets on the road. This line has moved three points in the last 24 hours, and we're talking here on a Thursday, not quite as, well, this is a free-for-all Friday, <laughs> but in the last 24 hours, this line has already moved three points from the Jets being favored by one to now the Jets being underdogs by two, which is telling me probably Teddy Bridgewater is going to be ready to play this game, not Skylar Thompson. However, I am with you. I think the Jets 
need to get the bad taste out of their mouth. They would do like nothing better than to eliminate the Dolphins yes. from playoff contention here and getting the win. So I'm with you. I'm with the fighting Robert Salas on the road with Mike White under quarterback and getting a good performance out of him and the Jets walking away on the season as a winner. Now we get into some garbage games of the week. Not a whole lot here to play for for Tampa Bay. They go to Atlanta. Uh, I'll take Atlanta at home. Yeah, I think even though Tom says he's going to play and everybody else says the starters are going to play, Todd Bowles isn't going to play these guys longer than a quarter if he does play them. They can't move their seating. They're locked into number four. That's where you're at. Don't risk anybody getting injured. Atlanta, like you said, is at home. They showed well last week. I think they get another win here. Finish 7-10. and Give me the Falcons. I don't have this as my dumpster fire game of the week. That's coming up next. But uh, I think there will be some points scored in this game. Uh, Panthers and Saints. Uh, Give me the Saints at home. (laughs) Yeah, I think Andy Dalton has his game of the year right here. Plays Um, himself into a new contract with somebody next year. (laughs) You watch. I mean, you saw what Tom did to this Carolina Panthers defensive backfield last week. I think Andy Dalton carves them up as well at home at Superdome. Uh, Saints finish with eight and nine. Then Panthers, again, proving once again why David Tepper's having backdoor talks with Jim Harbaugh and Steve Wilkes is not going to get the job. I've already told you on this show numerous times that Steve Wilkes is trash <laughs> breaking news coach. yeah <laughs> so yes and neither should dennis allen either but one of them's got to win here so let's go with new orleans our dumpster fire game of the week the houston texans and jeff saturday's colts oh my <laughs> goodness who are people gonna even tune in that live in houston or indy for this game i mean who gives a rat's ass on this one uh i guess give me indy at home Sam Ellinger is in at quarterback here. Um, I'm I'm hoping that they just get behind early against Houston. We see the we see one more one more show of Matt Ryan. Oh yes, the the fighting Jeff Saturdays back to a win because Houston will dump this game because if Houston wins this game and some and in Chicago still loses which we know Chicago will with having Nathan Peterman at the quarterback Chicago gets the number one pick there is no way this is going to be we are going to get the Buffalo Wild Wings phone in here <laughs> and, and, and punch it down to the field saying you're going to throw this game, yeah. Bobby Smith, and that's exactly what's going to happen here. So give me the Colts as well in what is our double dumpster fire game of the week. Cards and your Niners. Uh, the Niners still they still have an outside shot at the number one, right, Stone? Correct. They win and Philly loses. The Niners get the bye in the number one seed. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm calling that. So I, I like your Niners at home. Yeah, I think last week was a wake-up call to our to the defense. There, D'Amico, Ryan's and company are not going to take anybody for granted. So you got David Blau now coming to town, who had well, not a bad game last week. You know, I mean, they lost at the very end against Atlanta. 
Um, he did it much better than Trace McSorley did. So they're going to roll David Blau out again, but San Francisco's going to be ready this time, and I think San Francisco piss-pounds them and, and sends a message to the rest of the NFC heading into the playoffs. Cowboys and Commanders, does Ron Rivera know that he's eliminated at this point? He must because they're going to roll out old Sam Howell. Oh, they drafted in the like fourth or fifth round the quarterback out of North Carolina two years ago. A lot of people thought was going to be the number one pick of the draft. Had a horrible senior season and then entered the draft and ended up somehow in the, all this Washington Commanders mess. So much so, Riverboat Juan's like, well, let's see what he can do. So no Taylor Heineke, no Carson Wentz. It's Sam Howell at the at the helm with the Cowboys still possibly playing for an outside chance at a number one seed if both the Niners and the Eagles lose. So the Cowboys are going to piss pound the Commanders at home. Yeah, and if if I know a lot of leagues are wrapped up at this point, but if you are playing fantasy football in Week 18, and somehow the Cowboys' uh, defense is out there, I'd be licking my chops and heading to the uh, free agent pool pickup right now because uh, that should be a, a big day for the Dallas defense. Rams and Seahawks, boy, the LA Rams, what a disappointing uh, follow-up to their Super Bowl season. Uh, I'll take the Seahawks at home. Yeah, it's unfortunate this game is being played at this time instead of at the same time as Detroit and Green Bay because Seattle, I'm with you. They're going to win this game at home. That puts them in the driver's seat for that playoff spot as long as Green Bay loses, but it effectively eliminates Detroit. So it kind of loses that luster of Sunday Night Football being in a play-in game, being that you got Seattle probably going to pull off a win here against the Rams. Giants and Eagles... You talk about good rivalries, NFC East. I'm going to take the Giants on the Roadstone. Ooh, upset special. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I mean, Jalen Hurts is going. I got to figure Philly's going to defend the turf at home. Um, I'm with you. I think the Giants play their starters. They've got nothing to play for. They're locked in number 60, but they can't help to forget at least those ones that were still on this team two years ago, if you can remember. It was a race to the bottom in the NFC lease that year. We had Washington and New York going into the final week, playing for the division title. Both at the time, I think, were playing at 7-9, and nine, I think, is what it ended up being for the division. And New York was in the driver's seat as long as Washington got beat and Washington was playing Philadelphia and you remember Philadelphia pulled Jalen Hurts before that game who was red hot as he just was starting and took over for Carson Wentz and was four games in for was it Jared Stidham I think it was Jared Stidham or was it Stidham or was it uh who's the other guy so I have no idea Nate Sudfeld. It was Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. Nate Sudfeld. Jared Stidham just got his first start. Yeah. Nate Sudfeld. Remember? They put in Nate Sudfeld in Washington, piss-pounded him, and the Giants were royally pissed. So I think the Giants played their starters and tried to ruin Philly's day here and, and try to try to get him out of the number one seat. But I think Philly prevails, but I'm with you. Yeah, the upset definitely could happen. Chargers and Broncos. uh the Chargers, I don't care if they don't play their starters or not. I'll take uh, L.A. on the road. This is my third bet of the week right here, and it's on Denver. This line has moved five points 
in the last 24 hours, which tells me the wise guys in Vegas, and that's five points Denver's way. When I placed my bet here, Denver was a two-and-a-half-point dog. They are now a two-and-a-half-point favorite, T. Wow. And that's been in the last 24 hours. And the big reason why, it's telling me the wise guys know freaking Brandon Staley is not playing his starters in this game. The Chargers have nowhere to go, I believe. I think they're locked into their seat. They're locked into the number six, I believe, over on the AFC side or the number – oh, they're locked into the number five. So they're locked into number five as the number one wild card. No, yeah, are they? Yeah, well, it all depends upon what happens with Baltimore, I guess. I guess they could win, but I think with a line that moves that much in Denver – trying to freaking save their, I shouldn't say save their season, but have some respect and decency at home against their home fans. They're going to play, they're going to play with Moxie just like they did last week against Kansas City, but I think the Chargers are benching everybody, so I think that's why that line moves. So I'm going to go with Denver. Yeah, of course. You know, I had, I had the uh, the fantasy football uh, needed a big day from, from Mahomes and needed a big day from the Kansas City defense and Denver came inspired. They teams that fire their coaches, it's like that's always written. Let's let's get really fired up and let's play really well. And they came to play against Kansas City, of course. Uh Sunday night, Packers, Lions. Uh I want the Lions to win, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Green Bay's finally starting to figure it out. They're running the ball a lot better. I'll take Green Bay. I think it'll be close, but I'll I'll take Green Bay at home. I'm in agreement. Green Bay is going to hold court in Lambeau here. If I was betting, I'd probably bet on the Lions. I think four and a half is a little too big on this one. I think it's going to be a close game. But Green Bay, you got Aaron Rodgers back there. He's going to find a way to win on this game, and they're going to punch their ticket into the playoffs as the final team on the NFC side. And then the playoffs start, and we get football next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Ooh, I forgot to also say the stone cold lock of the oh, week yeah. this week. You know, I've been red hot on the season, twelve and four. The lock this week, I haven't used them all year. It's Cincy, baby. So <laughs> go with Cincinnati for sure with that lock over the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson hasn't thrown a football in how many weeks? He did not start last week. It's going to be disgusting. I'll tell you what. Next year, when we do picks, we should. Uh... Well, of course, we have to negotiate your contract for next year with Hack. We'll get on that once the season's over. But we should almost do like a Deadpool for next year where like you can only pick a team once. Or like how, how does that work? Like a guaranteed loser each week or a guaranteed winner, but you can only pick that team once. And then well, uh, go that's ahead. That's kind of how I do it with my Stone Cold Locker yeah. week. I only pick a team once throughout the whole year. So it kind of works like an eliminator pool. But yeah. of course – I've been eliminated from my eliminator role because of course <laughs> first week of the season Tennessee lost. They suck. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tennessee. So I uh <laughs> I appreciate your time, Stone. Have a good weekend. You too, bud, and we'll talk to you soon. It's Mark's on a free for all Friday. That's right, it's a free for all Friday here on the Trevor J. Brown show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network.
The Trevor J. Brown Show. Can't get enough of the Trevor J. Brown Show? Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. For bonus content Saturday, Trevor spins the tunes he's enjoying right now, tunes he loves from the past, great local music, and also continues to build his playlist of his favorite and, in his opinion, the greatest songs of all time. Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. On the story from earlier for the Moron Spotlight, it didn't really indicate, was the the rapper, the Virginia rapper, was he there at the Capitol that day? Or did he just use a picture of the insurrection on January 6th for his album cover? Because to get a five-month prison sentence if you weren't even there, that doesn't that seem kind of harsh? But he was... I don't know. It didn't really, it didn't really make it clear. It makes it seem like he was there in a way if he was on the steps smoking a blunt. I I've seen how terrible many people are at Photoshop. So odds are the guy was there, right? (laughs) You got, you got to be pretty good at Photoshop. It's like Michael Scott when, when everyone's, everyone's not looking for the Christmas picture and he does the, the, uh, the Photoshop edits (laughs) always, always good stuff. I'll tell you what, we, uh, we're a uh, binge watching the office and we finally got up to season seven and we just got to the episode where Michael leaves. I'm telling you what, the minute Steve Carell leaves the show, it, it's not terrible, but it definitely goes way downhill. I mean, it's just, there's such a, uh, empty part of the show when Steve Carell leaves. It's just, it's unfortunate, but it shows how good he was on that show a huge thanks to fox point publishing author paula basinger Morehart. great to talk to her this evening and you can keep up uh, with uh, fox point publishing online foxpointpublishing.com that's point with an e foxpointpublishing.com also a big thank you to mark stone for joining us for weekly football picks hopefully we win some money with stone also want to say a big thank you to everyone this past week that tuned into 763 the local your source for local weather news sports community calendar weekday mornings 30 minutes on the podcast network the inherent dream podcast network brought to you by elizabeth merwin smith who has over 35 years of experience in all aspects of real estate, new detached townhomes for adults 55 plus. That is her passion. Start enjoying a low maintenance lifestyle. She's dedicated to providing a smooth transition to your new home, including the sale of your current home. 763-286-3729. That's Elizabeth Merwin Smith. Also, Zimmerman Floral and Gifts. Visit them online, zimmermanfloral.com. Your hometown florist with a lovely variety of fresh flowers and creative gift ideas to suit any budget or style. Shop Zimmerman Floral and Gifts today because every day looks better with flowers. Also, we want to send a thank you to our sponsor, uh, our sponsor, Metawana Visionary, psychic and medium located in central Minnesota with 30-minute readings starting at $150. You can visit on Facebook, Facebook dot com and uh, just search for dark art and pony rides bonus content saturday tomorrow on the network uh, our saturday show exclusive on spotify 
And tomorrow I unveil some of my favorite songs of 2022. That'll be the next couple weeks. And then we will get back into the thousand greatest songs of all time playlist, which we're building on Spotify. Thanks again for tuning in. Happy New Year to you and yours. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is a production of Inherent Dream Production Company. This is the Inherent Dream Podcast Network.